podcast where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Jordan Burns. Jordan is a member of the Colgate University men's basketball team. As a sophomore, Jordan averaged right under 17 points and 6 assists per game, voted second team all Patriot League, had a great performance in the league championship game with 35 points, and then exploded onto the national scene in the NCAA tournament versus Tennessee with a 32-point output. Even had a notable appearance on the ever-famous One Shining Moment montage. We catch up with Jordan to talk to him about his life, his journey, and his success to this point. I hope his story inspires you to be who you are and to become who you want to be. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, brother. I'm glad to have you on, man. Uh, real quick, just before we get started, uh, I just want to let you know how proud I am of you, man. I mean, I saw you come up. Uh, you know, you, you played with some of my guys early on that I had graduate 2015-16 time frame and uh, you were around us for a little bit here and there. Uh, and I just, you know, I always thought to myself, man, that kid's going places, forget Appreciate basketball. That. Appreciate You that. know, just in life, good, solid family, good foundation. And when you have that, man, you, you're always going to win no matter what. But we're here to talk about you and, and how much success you've had <laughs> at the collegiate level. And so kind of just starting it off, how were you introduced to the game of basketball? Um. Honestly, I don't even, I couldn't even remember. Uh, I played football, you know, uh, since I was a little kid. Right. So basketball just came around like seventh, eighth grade. Mm. Um, and one day I was just like, man, I'm, I'm trying to play basketball. You know what I mean? Wow. I asked my uh, my dad and at first, you know, he was a little skeptical of it because he's a real big football guy. So he was like, yeah. oh, I don't know, you know, if we want to do this. But, uh, you know, I decided to go play. And, you know, since then it's, it's history. Yeah. You know what? I always tell people, since you bring up football, because that was my first love, my first passion. I tell people, I'll take a team of basketball players that have played football any day. Why? Because they don't cry about fouls. They're good with the contact. And you know what? In your game, I can see some of that, like like a running back almost. Like you'd, you'd have been a great running back, I think, or a DB, yeah, one yeah. or the other. I can see that. So, yeah, man, it's a, it's a different adjustment. Uh, but that I can see where you get your toughness from. Sure. So kind of going through all the success you've had at Colgate and uh, kind of being launched into the national stage for a couple of reasons, because of all your accolades that you've, uh, that you've come across in the Patriot League. And, uh, you know, kind of early on, you, you had some success as a sophomore. You know, I, I also want to talk about your, your road to that point, like, in high school, you were really highly touted here in San Antonio. But would you say, what kind of recruit were you? Were you a local, national? What, what, how did you see yourself as far as a, a recruit, and how were you being recruited? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think coming up uh, freshman through, like, junior year, mm -hmm. like, I didn't really get – I mean, I was getting recruitment from some schools, but no school really got to the point where they was, like, where I was thinking I was going to get offered or anything like that. So um, – it was just, you know, a little contact. And honestly, locally, they didn't recruit me at all. I didn't get recruited from UTSA, Texas State, gotcha. like any of those schools. Um, 
those schools started to recruit me after I was already committed to Colgate. Gotcha. You know, like they they tried to like come in after the fact. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't really get any any recruitment. Uh, then once I decided to go to prep, that's when like a lot of schools try to jump in. So what was your experience like at prep? Because a lot of kids locally, I can I can tell you, don't have a lot of uh, knowledge of prep, and I, and you know. And kids, I think in general, don't have a lot of knowledge of what prep school can provide. What was your experience at, at, at prep, in prep? Um, you know, I think first when I had to go to prep, I honestly hated that idea. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I think wow. I went there. I was able to uh, get ready uh, physically, mentally, prepare for, you know, how school was going to be uh, education-wise, yeah. and then also how the level of talent was going to be. I got to play with a, a lot of good guys, uh, a lot of other D1 guys, um, and got to play a lot of, you know, big-name guys that, that, you know, are some of the, the better guys that we see in the NCAA or in the playing yeah. with these, you know, North Carolina, Davidson. East Coast-type uh, schools. Yeah. Louisville, all gotcha. of those schools. So I think it just gave me my confidence that I needed uh, to come into – college basketball, and also, you know, it just got me uh, physically and mentally prepared. So I think that's something, here again, I, I asked those questions as far as the prep school or what they call post-grad as well now, uh, because I, I deal a lot with post-grads because we love, at our, you know, at our program, we love to play them yeah. because they're older boys, they're more experienced, they're on their way to playing somewhere, and it's just a great experience. Uh so you say it prepared you, it helped you to be ready for the stage you were about to step on. Once you stepped onto that stage at the Division One level, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make in your game? You know, obviously coming onto a campus in a, in a different state, which maybe prep helped you prepare for anyways. Yeah. What was the biggest adjustment in your game that you had to make? Um, I think in my game, honestly, uh it was really a speed adjustment. I think realizing how fast everything happens uh, in high school and in prep, you know, you're able to prepare for, for players and things like that, and you're able to prepare um, as much as possible to get, you know, your game to the best, you know, it could be at the time. Um, but obviously you're not playing against all D1 guys all the time. Yeah. So, you know, you have rest periods when you play games that aren't, you know, as as hard to play or some teams who don't have any D1 guys, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it gets to the point sometimes where you kind of take it for granted, you get lazy and things like that. And D1, I realize you can't do that, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Guys that you've never heard of are going to come, you know what I'm saying? Guys yeah, like me, coming you know, for they're, yeah. they're yeah. coming for your neck every night. and they, uh, <laughs> Guys want to be pros. So yeah. I think that's the biggest adjustment is just knowing that you have to really have a work ethic, and if you really want to do this at a high level, um, you have to go as hard as possible every chance you get because somebody else is out there working all the time. So yeah. I think just that was the biggest adjustment. So what would you say a typical day of practice is like, like, do y'all do weights in the morning, you know, class, then hit the court? What, what, what does that look like for y'all? Yeah, so a typical day for me normally during the week is, so I'll get up. I normally have, like, one class in the morning. After that, I'll go lift at around, like, 1130. Mm -hmm. So we lift from, like, 1130 to 1230. Then I'll have another class after that. Then we'll have practice um, from, like, 430 to, like, 637. Yeah. Um, after that, I normally go up to the calf, get some eating, and get some extra shots in maybe around, like, 910. And then got to do some homework, like, probably, like, 10, 30, 11 to... Yeah, so you're like, a student athlete. Yeah, like, yeah. 2 in the morning. Yeah. That, and that's good to hear, man, because that's the one thing I think people have a misnomer misnomer and an understanding about is, like, D1 athletes, they just go to school to just, you know, go play ball. And it's like, nah, I, 
I've heard, you know, the opposite from plenty of people. And and I think for yourself, people would say, oh, man, Jordan Burns, he's he's represented San Antonio, San Antonio really well. When you think about the success you've had, when you think about the run you had in the NCAA tournament, uh, one shining moment, you made it on that. I mean, man, that's big. Yes, that's sir. big time, man. Appreciate and, that. And I tell you what, a lot of people are very proud of you. The local media has jumped on you. I mean, everybody's just yeah. so geeked up about who you are. Uh, is that has that changed you at all? Like, has it changed anything about your life? Um, I mean, really, sometimes like when I go places and things, people know who I am, or yeah. they'll ask me like, "Hey, did you play like for Colgate or whatever?" And yeah. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, you know, if I have like some Colgate gear on or something." Um, but that's about it. I mean, for me, it's still I'm still working with the same trainer, still going, yeah, that's you know, great, still doing man. the same stuff. So, still be at home almost all day. Like it's. That type of guy, I'm still the same person. So yeah, and that's good to hear, man. Because one of the th- one of the things I like to talk about young people about is identity, because so many people get lost in the in the social media of of uh, just the rat race of trying to present themselves as something they're not. Has your identity? Have you? Do you look in the mirror and see the same old, you know, Jordan? Yeah, yeah. I think definitely. I think that's something that my parents kind of instilled in me was yeah. kind of like know who you are and be comfortable with who you are because if you're not, you know, somebody's gonna change you. So right. I think for me, it was just uh, that's one of my biggest things is after the tournament, you know, having all the the applause and things like that. that that's great, you know, having the the videos being a one shining moment and things. Those are great, but at the end of the day, um, I didn't reach my goal yet. Yeah. So uh, yeah, for me, it's it's cool. It's a nice moment, but uh, it's not changing who I am. You know, I'm still working to get to where I want to be, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to change at all. That's fantastic, son. That's great. I I have another question for you that kind of involves what you're talking about, your parents and how they raised you and all that. What influences you to do what you do on a daily basis as far as, like you're talking about, going to practice, going to class, hitting the weights, being the best player that you can be? What influences you, what's in the back of your mind and motivates you to do all that? Yeah, I think honestly, it's just just my family. You know, uh, at the end of the day, we uh, you know we, we definitely strive on uh, trying to be the best we can be all the time. Everybody in our house, and uh, yeah. that's just how we were raised. That's how uh, our parents brought us up. You know, they made sure we stayed out of trouble and stuff when we were younger. Uh, tried to you know stay away from the wrong crowd and things right. like that. So I think uh, for me. That was why I, I go so hard because my parents instilled it in me to do what I'm doing today. Yeah. So, um, and just looking up to them, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, like uh, everybody else, and having my older sibling, you know, looking up to him, um, I think that's what keeps me pushing every day. It yeah. makes me want to get up, go to class, do the work I don't want to have, you know, don't yeah. want to do, and then, you know, <laughs> go to practice and, and get it in. And I think that's the toughest thing for people to be honest about what it is they like or don't like about anything in life and then how to persevere through it to say i don't like this i don't like that most people peter out and give up and say well i'm just not gonna do it yeah well no you fight through it and you find ways to adjust and and from what you're telling me it sounds like you do exactly that within the confines of your family who all is you know would you say you keep the closest part of your family to you when it comes to those influences and how do they influence you yeah. particular um I think my dad, first off, uh, you know, he's been working really hard his whole life. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, 
really came from a really rough place yeah. in Louisiana and things like that. And to see where he's at now, you know, he's constantly been working, you know, multiple jobs all the time, yeah. different jobs, going to different cities, things like that, just grinding, yeah. you know what I'm saying, living in other places uh, while we were here in San Antonio. So I think that really made me see, like, all right, like, you got to do things for your family. You got to work hard and, yeah. and really uh, do what you need to do. And then on the other end, my mom, you know what I'm saying, works extremely hard. Yeah. Uh, it's constantly always working, you know what I'm saying? Grinding, boy. Yeah. And everything she can do for me yeah. and my brothers. So uh, I think her is, uh, she's a really big reason uh, why I go so hard. And uh, she's, you know, my rock. She keeps me, me confident. She keeps me calm. She keeps me uh, ready to go. So yeah. uh, I love her for that. Sounds a lot like my mom. There's times my mom can tell me things that other people just can't tell me. Yeah, exactly. My mom will look me in the eye and be like, you know, this, that, and the third. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah, when your mom says. Easy on that. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. You know, let's show some, some PC here. Some, be a little political, politically correct about this. But my mom, it's always out of love. And I think that's what you're talking about. The love, the loving uh, environment you've been provided. Yes, and, and not necessarily tough love, because I believe real love is going to be tough. It's going to yes, be sir. soft. It's going to be, at times, it, it just adjusts. Mm-hmm. And that's great. So you're telling me about the leadership in your family and what you've seen and how it's been modeled. What is leadership to you in particular? Uh, I think leadership to me is just, you know, if you can get a group of guys together to, you know, all compete for the same common goal and, yeah. you know, eventually accomplish it, I think that's what leadership is. If, if you can get everybody to, you know, sacrifice their own individual agendas to uh, come together and, you know, do something special, I feel like that's, that's what a leader does. And that's great. Which you, you hit a key word, sacrifice. What do you sacrifice? Because I know mm-hmm. coming up, you can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. You can't. So you, some of your friends are like, let's go do this, go do that. Yeah. And you can't always adjust to that. Do you have to sacrifice time with your brothers, with your friends, with your, your, your teammates? What do you sacrifice to do what you do and be as good as you are? Um, I think now, uh, you know, now I go out and things every now and again. Uh, I try to go have fun, um, get out. But obviously I train a lot during the day. And during the day mm-hmm. I'm, like, at home or training. So I really yeah. don't do anything until, like, nighttime. But, yeah, definitely coming up in high school. Yeah. I couldn't – I can't remember a party I went to. I didn't I didn't go nowhere um, even when my brother was promoting. Like, I didn't go, yeah. go nowhere. Uh, I knew that in order for me to get to where I needed to be that I had to – to sacrifice, you know, going out and yeah. doing things with friends and uh, seeing seeing people at, at times. Uh, so it was a lot of sacrifice, especially in high school. Now it's gotten to the point where, you know, I, I feel like I can balance a lot of things. So, yeah. um, and I don't really, like, drink or smoke or anything, so I'm just... That's good to hear. Yeah, so I just, you know, I just chill when I go out anyway. Um, so, uh, you know, my body stays in pretty good shape all the time and things yeah. like that. But, yeah, early on, definitely sacrificing going out and uh, doing all that extra stuff that your, your friends want to do that don't yeah. have the same agenda as you, uh, yeah, you got to let them go sometimes. You know, you can be friends from a distance. There you go. I tell, I tell kids that all the time. I'm like, be a good friend to everybody, but understand that everybody's going to be a great friend to you, meaning exactly. they're not always looking out for your best interests, so don't always follow what they're going to do. Amen. And that's, uh, that's really, really, really key into to being a successful person and young person in particular with yourself. Going back to, to your high school days and seeing all the things you sacrificed, what was your experience like at Marshall? Because I, I grew up with some people and some friends, a lot of friends at Marshall back in the, the Stone Ages, in particular, uh, Coach Pettis. I don't know if you, you're Jason Pettis. 
he, I heard he, he, yeah. he's, a, he's another uh, Marshall legend mm-hmm. like you've yeah. become now. Yeah. And and he was a guy who was on the NCAA stage two tearing it up at Wichita State. Yeah. And and I don't want to compare here <laughs> because that's my guy and, and he's great and all. Sure. But I think you kind of took the lead already now and then it's kind of like okay, Appreciate so Jordan's that. that dude. What what kind of love do you get from from that student body in your in your old high school? Man, uh, I get a lot of love when I played in the NCAA game. You know they had it on like every TV that's at great, the school. Uh, was getting. Like, Constant, you know, Facebook messages, calls, and things like that from people from Marshall. Uh, yeah. You know, and they, they've been supporting me since day one. You know, they believed in me uh, when nobody else believed in me. Right, um, yeah. they, they thought I was a really good player early on in my career, and they were constant supporters, everybody at Marshall. Um, and that's what I love about my school is even though that, you know, I feel like the city didn't give me the love I, I, I uh, you know, deserved yeah. at the time, um, you know, which could be a little naive, you know what I'm saying? I was a kid, but, yeah. you know, I... They always gave me the love that, uh, you know, I felt like I deserved. So I, I appreciated them over at Marshall. Yeah, no, that that was a, a dynamic time, I think, for San Antonio basketball. Yeah, there was exactly. a uh, it was a movement, and like dudes are trying to figure out where do I end up in the ranking system exactly. and all that. There's a spike in San Antonio basketball in 2016. Yeah, for sure. so you you talked about how you were kind of received and loved and they thought you were a great player from day one there which no doubt you were uh appreciate that how how did you you know because coming out of high school here in san antonio there was some cats that were maybe ranked higher than you there was guys that i know personally that were more athletic yeah a better prospect if you will yeah not better player because i have i have this kind of deal where it's like I got a guy right now, right, that just graduated yesterday, six foot nine, jumps out the gym, does crazy stuff. Yeah. I feel like he's the best prospect in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say, well, he's the he's is he the best player? I don't know. Because there's better like there's better high, yeah, yeah, there's better high school dudes, yeah. yeah. High school players. So I say that to say, so when you were in high school, was there do you think there was better high school players than you? Um. See, for for me, that's just a hard question to answer because yeah. uh, even the other day, like people ask me all the time, "Do you think you're better than this person? Do you think you're better than this person?" Yeah. And for me, I've always been one of those people that I always carry a chip, regardless yeah. of what anybody tells yeah. me, regardless if I'm number one or number or not yeah. on the list. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, I always have a chip, and, and for me, I don't like saying I'm better than people. I don't like yeah. people saying they're better than me because at the end of the day. When it comes down to it, when it's said and done, you know, when contracts are getting handed out and people there are signing, go. we're going to see who's really was better. You know, That's I mean? right. there's no point in talking about it. If, yeah. you know, if it's going to happen, you know what I'm saying? If you're good enough, it's going to happen. If you're not, then you're going to be at home. So I'm so concerned with kids at the high school level having a real clear perspective of where they're headed. And like yourself, like you're saying, you know, I didn't get the love in the city which I've seen that plenty of times from plenty of my players for whatever reason. Uh, even to this day, some of my cats don't get loved like they should, but it's whatever because they're moving on, going to play Division One basketball, they, and, and their careers are going to go past high, uh, college as well. I know that. Like that's just, you know, There's guys you can look at and say, well, those kids are going to get paid to play somewhere one day, yeah. and that's exactly what you're talking about, contracts, you know, letters of intent, all those things, while other dudes are just going to sit at home. Exactly. And, and it's not to be salty. It's just to say that's the reality. Yeah. The reality is that if you work hard like you're talking about, the sacrifice like you're talking about, 
the foundation that you have that you launched off of because you're standing on the shoulder of giants, your parents. Yeah. And you can make some great things happen. And I think young people, when they wake up to that fact, they can walk around with that chip on their shoulder but not be salty. Just understand, like, understand. this is how I move forward. This is how I grind. And this is what I'm going to do, you know, for the rest of my life. Not just basketball and not just, you know, this maybe short-term success, but it's good. In spurts, short-term successes lead to long-term successfulness Amen. as far as in life. So uh, what does the team aspect, because you talked about your team at Marshall, mm-hmm. and then going to prep and then going to uh, Colgate now, what is team success to you? Man, I think uh, team success is, is whatever I think you and your team figure out is successful at the end of the day. I think uh, having those you know team meetings and, and making sure uh, everybody's on the same page and we're all trying to reach the common goal is that that's what team success is. You know, I think that if somebody's on your team and, and you guys don't go to the NCAA tournament and one guy goes to the NBA and, you know, others don't, I don't think that's team success. You know what I mean? I think it's great that, you know, one person can do something. Uh, and, you know, can win some games and things like that. But I think uh, the ultimate goal is team success. Like we say, like making the NCAA tournament. Can your team win ga- win games during the year? Um, can they win in the postseason? Things like that. I think that's what uh, makes your team great and makes uh, programs great is winning. So you've won a lot at the college level now. How, how does it feel when you win, say, a conference championship, you go into the NCAA tournament, you're on a run, you get, I mean, how, how does that feel? Because I think the the goal for a lot of teams at the college level is like, let's make the tournament. Yeah. But that's not a reality for, I mean, you have 350 something <laughs> Division One schools and you only have, what, 66, 60, whatever now, yeah. making it into the field. What does that feel like? Just, just off the cuff, what does that feel like? Yeah. Um, like, how does it feel like to. To like, get there, yeah, as a team, it, like because yeah, we're talking about team success, and then it's like we accomplished one goal, winning our conference. Now we're yeah. going to the to the tournament. I think honestly, for us, it was like it was so surreal. Even though we planned it, I think at the beginning of the year, you know, we all knew that we could make the NCAA tournament. We talked about it the whole season. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing that we did was we prepared for it the whole season. Every time yeah. we went in the gym, every time people shot shots, we knew what shots we were taking. We knew we were taking NCAA game shots. You know what I'm saying? Wow. We're taking 20,000 people shots. That's you know what I'm saying? Time. And uh, I think because we prepared like that, it uh, it helped us down the end, you know, to get on that 11-game win streak and yeah. uh, make it to the NCAA tournament and, you know, play Tennessee so close and, you know, with our player of the year out, you know. So yeah. I think I think for us uh, that was the, the craziest thing was just – you can't – I think as a mid-major team, before you make it to the NCAA tournament, you can, like, say, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. But until you get there, I think you, you can't really get that feeling of, of, wow, like, this is real. Like, the NCAA tournament is a, is a big deal and yeah. everybody's hitting my phone and, and, you know, people are getting <laughs> a lot of more followers, a lot yeah, of likes, yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, retweets, yeah. you know, <laughs> a lot of those type things. So I think uh, that's that's really what, what was crazy to all of us was, like, wow, like, we really did this. Even though, like, we've been planning for it, yeah. you can't really – Get prepared for that moment until you. Until the, phone, you the phone's a lot less dry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, talking about that because you have that success, and you're talking about what comes along with it, and that's great. So when you look ahead now, uh, what are some of your goals for next season, and then even beyond? Yeah. So I think uh, 
next season definitely for our team. You know, we plan to go to the NCAA tournament and uh, really we think we can be a, a Sweet 16 type yeah. team. We think we're, uh, you know, we're one of the better mid-majors in the country. Yeah, uh, definitely. And a lot of our guys work like we're, you know, yeah. we, we don't have anything. So that that's the thing that uh, I love about my team. So that's one of the goals is making it back to the NCAA tournament, trying to get to the Sweet 16. And then um, I think obviously winning our conference outright, you know, we didn't do it this year. We were co-champs and uh, – it was, you know, it was cool. You know, we got to host it, but obviously everybody wants to be able to say that they're the only ones who yeah. won their conference outright in the regular season. So I think that's a big deal for us. And then, you know, we want to beat high major teams. That's that's a big deal for us. Winning against high major teams is what gets, you know, everybody yeah. put you on the radar. So if we can get some real big wins uh, in the regular season, then I think it'll help us out down the line. And once we get to March Madness, we'll be able to win some games. That's fantastic. Do you remember? The exact game when you felt like I could play at this level. Do you remember that game? Like it, you just were like, maybe it wasn't a thirty-point game because uh, yeah. you, you're assisted. I mean, you have like you're averaging five assists a game, and that's that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, for most cats, like they don't, you know, they're not sharing the ball, but yeah. five assists is a lot for a dude that's scoring, that's filling it up too. Yes, sir. So when you when you look at that, well, what is uh, what was that game like? Trying to think. The first, I think honestly, the first game was my freshman year. Okay. Um, we we're playing Jarius Lyles, who went to UMBC, and uh, he was a guy who was a fifth-year senior. You know, what I'm saying uh, NBA prospect, really good guy. Just came off of scoring like 30 on SMU the game before us, wow. and then the game before that, it was another high major team. Maybe it was like TCU or something. Uh, and he had a lot of points in that game too. Uh, so I knew coming into that game, it was like, wow, you know, this guy's really good. Um, I knew for a fact that he was probably going to guard me for a good portion of the game because, you know, at that yeah. point uh, I, w- I had had some big games already and people knew who I was as a freshman. Um, I wasn't quite starting yet, but, you know, I played over like 25 minutes a game. Yeah. And so whenever I got in to play against him, I ended up scoring about, I think, like 26. And he had he had wow. more, though. He had like 30, I think, or like 32 maybe. But we ended up winning. And I ended up hitting the last, basically kind of like the – the game, the go ahead, yeah, the yeah. go ahead bucket yeah. on him, on like wow. a little like pump. I still remember the shot, like going left, there you go. pump fake, and then I tried to jump into him and he didn't, he didn't jump he didn't in. Fall for it, yeah. I just I threw it in and it, it went in and wow. uh, I think after that game was when I realized like wow, like you know I, it gave me a lot of confidence, you know, playing yeah. against a guy like that who's really good and uh, getting the win and obviously you know they were the first team ever, they went on to be the first team ever to beat a number one seed yeah. in yeah. the yeah. tournament yeah. 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 that yeah. year, so. Uh, I think that gave me the the ultimate confidence I needed was like, all right, you know, I can play against anybody. You know, yeah. regardless, bad games are going to come. You know, nobody has a, a good game every game. Right. Um, so I knew that, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, but that gave me uh, the confidence to push me through the rest of my college career, I feel like. So a confident player, I've always said this, a confident player is is, is a player that no matter what you do to him, you, you're not going to be able to contain him or stop him for too long. Sir. But a, a, a player who doesn't have confidence just doesn't belong on the court. I mean, they might as well sub out. Amen. I don't care how talented you are. So it's great to hear that because, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of kids come and go. They have a lot of talent. They go somewhere and they lose their confidence, and then they're done. Yeah. And, and, and then people think, oh, he, he, he's not as good as he was. Skill, like, no, he's good. Yeah, the skill set's there. It's just between the years something went wrong, and they put their head down and, and never picked it back up. Yeah. You know, they never got their, they never got their, uh, I don't know, they can, they get that juice back, yeah. you know, at the end of the day. And you've got it, and like you talked about earlier, at the D- D1 level, level you got to play hard. 
Exactly. You got to go every single possession. You can't take a playoff because your time is sometimes limited. Like you said, you weren't starting. Yeah. And Never you got to make the out. you got to make the best off the bench. In, in in that capacity that you were in, coming off the bench before you weren't starting, before you weren't Jordan Burns, <laughs> yes, that dude. Uh, what was your mindset going into coming off the bench? Uh, I think my mindset has always been the same. You know, uh, obviously I wanted to start. Everybody wants to start. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I worked to get to a position where I should have started. But yeah. obviously my coach knew exactly what he was doing. You know, he's one of the smartest coaches in college basketball. And I think yeah. it got me prepared to start when Patriot League play came that year, later that year. Um, but I think, yeah, sitting me down and being able to to watch a game go and see yeah. the flow and watch everybody, you know, do what they're doing on the court before you get in, it helps as a freshman. You know, I think I needed that that little, uh, you know, setback for me. Like, all right, you know, this is the first time I haven't started in, I don't even know how, yeah. like five years, you know what I mean? So, you know, yeah. it's, it's a long time. So, I mean, I, I needed that in order to, to do what I'm doing today, for sure. That's great to say you needed that. Yeah. Because a lot of cats feel like I just wound up there. Yeah. I don't have a choice. Because most kids don't understand when they go to a, uh, any program, there's already that guy there. Yeah, exactly. You, you're, not, you're not walking into the situation. I don't care how. I don't let, care what let, they tell yeah, you, yeah. anything like that, man. There's already that dude. Unless you're, you know, Cam Reddish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Zion. Well, yeah, and I'm naming two, three dudes that are on the same, same team. team. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, even they got to contend with that. Uh, that that right there speaks volumes, I think, to young people to understand you have a role. Play that role, play your position, and then at some point when you get that opportunity, are you ready? Yeah. You know, I had a conversation with uh, with Mike Peck, and he says everybody's ready to do something, but not everybody's prepared. Prepared. Exactly. And I feel like what you're saying is that bench prepared you. Prepared me for it. And yeah. that's, that's unbelievable to hear a young person say, a guy with the kind of success you've had, that prepared me for what I'm doing now. Yeah, I uh, think I think honestly it's just a maturity issue. I think uh people you gotta grow up at some point. You have to realize you're not the greatest player in the world. Uh you're you might not be the best player on your team. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You might not be the best player in your position. So yeah. I think uh for people to to understand that and, and actually be mature and actually get to work about it yeah. is uh something that I think young kids really need to understand that yeah. whatever college you go to, whatever your dream college is, even if you get that offer, yeah. that doesn't mean you're going to get the dream minutes or the, the dream yeah. points that you had or, or anything like that. So I think maturity and, and knowing, all right, going into a situation, do everything I have to do to, you know, become great at this, yeah. you know, at this program. And there are situations where guys have to transfer things like that because, you know, there are some coaches that aren't, you know, the best coaches, you know, and that, that yeah. is what it is. And sometimes there's not the right fit. Yeah. But you got to be mature about it. You got to know what, what you need to do. And uh, I think maturity is the biggest part of success in a lot of ways because if you're not mature about it, then it's probably not going to go the way you want it because, you know, you're not willing to to understand it and, and sit down and work for it either. Big facts. Yeah. Big facts. Right. <laughs> that's huge, man, because that's it's a, it's a pill of truth that most people and most players can't handle yet. Because as us as coaches, high school coaches, we need to do a better job. We we look at life through a scope of saying, well, in society, everybody should have, everybody should have. But then we're so tough on high school kids saying, no, you needed this, you needed that, you needed. And I'm thinking to myself, why can't everybody work like you're making the high school kid work? The high school kid going trying to get to the next level has to grind for everything, has to sacrifice everything you're talking about. Yeah. And so let's 
let's prepare these kids for real life. What are the things to you that you, if I had to sit you down with a group of young people, which I'm pretty sure you've already done, yeah, yeah. but I'm hoping this audience we have here can kind of, you know, go out there as well and, and, and spread the good news of who Jordan Burns is. What would you tell young people about the process of coming up? Because, you know, I don't use the word the process too much, yeah. but there is a process. Sir. And so what would you say to a group of young people as far as the processes from going from high school to college and how to get there in a sense? Yeah. I think the biggest key a lot of times is work work ethic, you know, yeah. uh, your willingness to to want to do something and uh, yeah. how bad you really want it. Uh, that's the biggest thing for me. I think for young kids, you have to sit down and really talk to yourself and, and say, all right, is this what I want to do? You know, is this, yeah. is this where, where I want to be? And as a freshman in three or four years, like how many offers do I want to have? You know, do I want to be able to, am I going to be able to know where I'm, where my school is? You know what I'm saying? Am I going to be able to pick or is it going to yeah. be, you know, school's going to come to me. I'm going to have to choose out of those. You know what I'm saying? So I think early on I, uh, I was mature about it and, and realized, okay, you know, I'm not getting the, the recruitment that I, I think, you know, that I thought I was going to get, yeah. you know, I was, I was very naive, you know, coming up, I thought, I was thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to go to Texas or yeah. Texas Tech or Baylor. And, yeah. you know, you think of these things as, you know, a 15-year-old kid, and that's just not reality. But the thing yeah. was, for me, I always worked. And the, the biggest thing for me is the, the work ethic piece. If you are going to put your all into something and you believe that it can happen and you have confidence, yeah. it's going to happen. I truly believe that if, if you put your all into it, yeah. You know, not just saying you did your all, but really putting your all in it, you know, to to where you uh you can't go anymore. Like it's yeah. it's to that point. I think you'll you'll make it. Anybody can do yeah. anything in this world. I feel like if you put time into it and you put effort into it and, and you have a strong work ethic and you have, you know, a strong strong backing people behind you that are gonna support you and uh keep you motivated, yeah. whether that's, you know, positive or negatively. You know, I I've had a lot of people in my life who have said negative things to me that have pushed me to, to do, you know, great things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now I look back on it and it's just a maturity piece. Like, wow, like I, I needed everybody that was in my life in order to, to you know, continue to, to be who I am today. Yeah. So I think that's what I would tell kids is just work ethic, knowing the people around you are, you know, the people who are going to push you to the top. And uh, that's, that's the biggest key. Yeah. That's fantastic, man. Embracing your support system. And, and I guess seeing people for what they are in that role and not looking at people like, you're just trying to tell me what to do. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you raise yourself, sure. feed yourself, <laughs> do all that. Let's see how you do that. I mean, yes, sir. so that's great, man. That's, that's fantastic advice for young people. Uh, so kind of walking, walking away from this conversation, I, I pretty much ask everybody I've had on, and I'll ask you this. What do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? What, what, what does Jordan Byrne say, I want this world to remember me for? Yeah, uh, it's funny. That's, that's a big question, too. Yeah, it is. Um, that's I why I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a huge question. And I think for me, I feel like I hear people say all the time, like, you know, uh, what do you want to be? You know, oh, I want to be the greatest player ever, things like that. Yeah. And I think to me, to say that is just – it just doesn't make sense to me. You know, I don't want to say that I want to be the best basketball player to ever play. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's not me. Um, and I feel like that's always a, su- a subjective conversation regardless. Right, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, People right. have their own criteria yeah. <laughs> on anything. You know what right. I'm saying? So I think just my biggest thing is wanting to change people's lives, changing the game, and then uh, right. 
making sure that, that these young kids under me really made it because of something I said or something I did. Yeah. You know, that uh, I, I just want to be a changing factor in this world. I, I want to make sure that when I leave that my legacy is felt. You know right. what I'm saying? That, that people are saying, you know, Jordan Jordan Burns didn't only change, like, the game of basketball, but, you know, Jordan Burns changed my life. You know, yeah. listening to him, yeah. seeing him do what he needed to do, you know, made me want to do do something. You know, I, I seen him come from nothing and, and, you know, jump up and be on one shining moment. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think things like that are the, the biggest key in life is leaving a legacy that, you know, you changed something. You made yeah. something better for, you know, positively, yeah. obviously, had a positive impact on, on people's life. And, uh that's all I want to do is just have a positive impact on people's life. So, you know, this podcast in particular is always going to be about players, former players, coaches, leaders, and influencers. And I feel like you're an influencer. Sir. And, and I feel Sorry. like that's, uh, you don't, and I've told other people this, you don't have to be a YouTuber. <laughs> you don't got to be on Instagram, yeah. you know, uh, selling gear, selling Supreme, all that stuff. Like, you can just live your life and play the game that you're playing the way you're doing it and walk it out and influence a generation, if you will. Because so that's, I mean, you, where you, the stage you're on now, it, this trajectory, who knows, man? And I think that's, you know, here again, to have you on is a great blessing for me. I appreciate your time and through this conversation we've had and getting to know you a little bit better. I, 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 I just see nothing but success for you, son. And here again, I appreciate you being on and the time you spent. Appreciate you. Know, you people don't know. I, I chop it up with a lot of people here in my home. And, and it's, a, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like whatever vibe you bring, whatever spirit you bring, I hope it stays here because I, <laughs> I got three little girls that live here with me Sorry. and they're still young. And, and I would hope that they had the same kind of drive and motivation and success Appreciate that you're having that. at this point. Appreciate so, uh, again, God. God bless you, and I appreciate you being on. God bless. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, Stitcher, and also on Twitter at Creative Coach 47 Thank you, and have a blessed day.